Thank you for downloading this podcast of Andy's Movie Mashup from GFM 107.1. For rights reasons, the music has been removed, so it's just me talking. Enjoy. Now, that is, unless you need a telling, that was ACDC with The Rocker. That's not actually on the soundtrack to Mad Max, which is one of my um, TV movie hits of the week. A version of it is, but I couldn't find the version that was mentioned. Okay, welcome to another movie mashup on GF107.1 on this week's show. Just two movies, because I was watching the football. Boo. Well, good. Yeah, good result, but, you know, boo. Only two movies. Um, So we're going to be looking at um, Journey's End and Phantom Thread. Uh, But we'll also be looking at, uh, well, I will also be looking at um, The Return of the Handmaid's Tale that I started watching last night with my wife. I talked about the first series last year, so I'm going to delve into episode one for uh, this week. I know I'm a little bit behind. Um, Also this week, it was my wife's birthday this week, so you know what that means. It means I'm going to be playing a track. I've been playing that cheesy intro that I play every year. Um, so, uh, also looking at uh, movies that are on TV this week, what's on at local venues, some DVD picks, it's all the usual things, and some big news about the good robot Andes, but more about that later. Here's some more music, this is from the soundtrack to Sexy Beast, and this is Dean Martin with Sway. I that's another one that doesn't really need an introduction, but that was Cameo with Word Up. That is from the soundtrack to Christopher Smith's movie Severance. That's a good movie with Danny Dyer in. Yes, there are such things. And before that was Dean Martin with Sway. That's from um, Jonathan Glazer's movie Sexy Beast. Um, okay, so first movie this week is Journey's End. It's a British film adaptation of the, of the play Journey's End by R.C. Sheriff. Written by Simon Reed and directed by Saul Dibb. And it's the fifth film adaptation of the play, following an adaptation in 1930, another one in 1931 called The Other Side, uh, a movie called Aces High in 1976, a 1988 BBC TV film. And it was screened in the special presentation section at the 2017 Toronto International Film Festival. So this is a story that you know has been um, adapted several times. Um, I haven't seen any of the previous adaptations or know anything about them in terms of quality. But I, but I was aware of this play because I did, I performed a monologue of this for an acting class. Um, so I am sort of vaguely aware of this, of this play. Um, so I was very interested to watch this, particularly when it had, it had very good reviews when it came out. Um, so Saul Dibb, his, the previous movie to this one was a movie called Sweet Francaise that uh, I reviewed on this show that I watched. Uh, I think my wife enjoyed that. That was um, Matthias Schoenartz and, ooh, I'm tr- starting to think. Uh, I'm out to go and look at the um, thing. Anyway, that was his previous film. <clears throat> that uh, was, was a good movie. Enjoyed that a lot. Excuse me for a moment. Okay, that's better. Um, That was a good film. Uh, So what's this like? So this came out, I think this came out um, either earlier this year or late in 2017. And it stars 
Asa Butterfield, Sam Claffin, Paul Bettany, Tom Sturridge, Toby Jones, Stephen Graham, Robert Glenister, Miles Jupp. It's, that's a good cast, I think. Um, so Asa Butterfield plays second Lieutenant Raleigh. He's an incredibly young, I, I would assess his age in the movie, or at least in the play, to be about 18, maybe maybe playing a little bit older than that. And he has specifically asked to be um, sent to a unit where his childhood friend, who is uh, Captain Stanup, Stanup um, is stationed because they were friends and he thinks that uh, they can be friends again. What he discovers when he gets there is that Captain Stanup, played by Sam Claffin, is essentially using alcohol to dull the um not the not the post traumatic stress but the actual the actual stress of being in the trenches he's basically become a raging alcoholic and is now ashamed of that fact and is unpredictable um and is drinking so much that he's barely functioning uh, so the other the other officers are um, Paul Bettany, who plays Lieutenant Osborne, Tom Sturridge's second lieutenant, Hibbert, Toby Jones plays Private Mason in a role that I think in somebody else's hands would have fallen into a parody in terms of he is essentially the Baldrick character from Blackadder Goes Forth. And there are lines here that... I think in somebody else's hands might have been close to the bone, but in Toby Jones's hands, who can, you know, switch a scene from being funny to being deadly serious just really quickly. Uh, for for example, this isn't a spoiler, but there's a scene when the officers are eating an unspecified type of meat. They ask him what it is, and he says it's cutlets. And they say, what type of cutlets? And he says, the cutlet type of cutlets, and just walks away. And that, that is a line that could have quite happily, you know, been spoken in Blackadder Goes Forth. But in the hands of Toby Jones, it's deadly serious. Because you probably know what kind of meat is that. We don't need to spell it out. It's, it's not nice, whatever it is. And uh, that's just one of the very small bits of, of detail work that's going on in this film. So, for the most part, the other officers are kind to, um, to Asa Butterfield's character. But Stanup... It's just a raging ball of neurosis and stress and alcoholism. Um, they get given a <clears throat> what I would consider to be <clears throat> an utterly useless um, detail to go and capture some German troops and bring them back and try and find out when the next big attack is coming, uh, which is, you know, goes as well as you can imagine it would go. They then discover that the attack is coming at a specified date. Won't say, you know, when it's coming in the context of the film. Um, I think this is one of the one of the best movies I've ever seen about warfare. You know, and I'm talking about things as well, stuff like um, Apocalypse Now, even you know Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Uh, what this film drives home is the futility of the whole situation. Um, there's even a little coda at the end that tells you how long uh, this uh, this piece of land that they're fighting over in um, Saint-Étienne, how long that stayed in Allied hands or German hands and how many lives were lost 
uh, towards the end of the war because this is set in 1918. So it's set in the year that, that the First World War ended and yet so many more lives were lost before the war actually ended. It's a sobering movie. It's very serious. Uh, it's really well made. So <clears throat> I think what makes it work so well is the immediacy of uh, Saul Dibb's direction. So he stays mostly handheld, camera-wise, for most of it. He gets up close and personal with people. The camera's always moving, so that there's a kind of um, Paul Greengrass slash documentary feel to it, which is very immediate and very dynamic. Um, and also the, the play has clearly been trimmed heavily for film because the running time is... Um, just looking to see if I can find it. It's not on my sheet here, but it, it's about an hour and forty something minutes, so it's not long at all. Um, it's really good. I think that if you didn't see this at the cinemas, and it's possible that you didn't, I should think that it came and went um, from most cinemas. Uh, it's a very, very fine piece of work indeed. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of ninety-two percent. With the consensus reading, it brings R.C. Sheriff's 90-year-old play to the screen with thrilling power thanks to director Saul Dibb's hard-hitting urgency and brilliant work from a talented cast. Yeah, it's all true. It's really good. It's worth noting, actually, that um, Sheriff wrote the play. He was a veteran himself. He wrote the play, and this play was performed for veterans after the First World War, and that must have been quite interesting and I, just, and I should say also traumatic for some people to be watching this stuff even in a, in a play situation um, it's really good and it's rated 12 so um, uh, I think I watched this with my son who is also 12 and he really enjoyed it he said he knew he knew very little about the first world war and uh, it um, gave him an insight into how you know the futility of it all and how grim it was how young people were when they went off to war. I mean, we see that in Dunkirk as well, how young the soldiers were. But um, yeah, it's great. Journey's End, very good. There's no soundtrack items. Um, I think it would be somewhat trite to go ahead and try and play something after talking about that. So I'm going to move on to the next movie, which is unusual for me, but here we go. Uh, so second film this week is Phantom Thread, uh, a 2017 American period drama film written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, set in London's couture world in 1954. And it stars Daniel Day-Lewis as a couturier who takes a young waitress, played by Vicky Creeps, as his muse. And it's reportedly Day-Lewis's final role before retiring. And the film is the first Anderson film, the first Anderson film shot outside the United States with principal photography beginning in January 2017 in live England. It's his second collaboration with Daniel Day-Lewis following There Will Be Blood, There Will Be Blood, There Will Be Blood, and his fourth with composer Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. So this is the follow-up, at least in, in Paul Thomas Anderson terms, the follow-up to Inherent Vice, which I enjoyed, although I didn't think it was fantastic, I did enjoy it. Um... Certainly, Paul Thomas Anderson is a, I'd, I'd say, a, a filmmaker It's hard to nail down in terms of um, the genre that he works in. And each film is seemingly completely separate from the last. Um, 
This one was um, nominated for various awards. Daniel Day-Lewis was nominated for Best Actor but didn't win at the Oscars. I think I talked about a film last week where somebody was nominated but lost to, uh, to Gary Oldman. Um, so I was looking forward to this. This is, uh, it features yet another, uh, I'd say, you know, forensically detailed performance from Daniel Day-Lewis right down to the little ticks and the way that he stands and the way that he talks and walks and everything is just meticulously researched into how someone like this would, would you know, hold themselves. And the plot is, um, is pretty simple. So uh, Dane Lewis plays a character called Reynolds Woodcock who lives with his sister, Cyril. Uh, he's not married. I, think he's, I don't think he's ever been married in terms of the character. Uh, so they live together. He is a you know a clothing designer. He designs for the rich and famous of the world. Um, so we see like you know, European princesses coming to be outfitted. But he meets um, character play, played by Vicky Creeps, who uh, curiously looks exactly like his sister, who's played by Leslie Manville, who is terrific. He becomes I wouldn't say infatuated, but obsessed with her. And she becomes his muse. She becomes, you know, the latest person to wear his clothes and for him to obsess over. She falls in love with him. But that love isn't really returned because... He doesn't really feel, feel the same way. He just sees her as someone to, you know, for, for, to wear his clothes and uh, to be beautiful and elegant. But she doesn't really feel the same way. You know, she really does fall in love with him. And um, she takes steps to, uh, shall we say, make him fall in love with her. I can't really go into the any more details about that. But um, this is a movie on, you know, when, when I was watching it, I was thinking, I've heard so much about scenes in this film from uh, radio shows like Kermit and Mayo's Film Review um, that it's hard to... Now, divorce these scenes from the fact that I'm actually watching them. But even though I knew something about them, because they've been talked about so much, they still maintain a great deal of power. Um, the camera work is fantastic. Uh, all the performances are, are great. Um, so, you know, you might consider that Daniel Day-Lewis is quite an intimidating presence to work with, but Vicky Creeps, who is, you know, not a particularly, um, let's say, experienced actor... Actress, I just use actor these days. Um, she brings a great deal of presence to the role, and she had, does have chemistry with Daniel Day Lewis, and that works. That works really well. I think that uh, Leslie Manville is fantastic uh, backup as uh, Cyril, uh, his sister, who is possessive of him to a point of almost not not hysterical because she doesn't betray much emotion. But she's very possessive and very territorial of her brother. Um, another, another, another good movie from Paul Thomas Anderson. I'd say good, not great. Um, I, I would say that he hasn't made a great film since There Will Be Blood. Uh, and then before that, Punch Drunk Love, which is one of my favourites. Um, yeah, another good one. I'd say not a great one. Does have a good performance from Daniel Day-Lewis. It's a little bit long, um, but it is great. 
Uh, oh, it's right, it is good. And uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 91%. It says... It's a finely woven narrative is filled out nicely by humour, intoxicating romantic tension, and yet another impressively committed performance from Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, if this is his final movie, it's a, I'd say it's not as good a performance as, it, as uh, There Will Be Blood, but it is a, great, it is a good performance. And, uh, you know, if, he's, if this is the last one, then so be it. Um... Uh, yeah, I liked it. I think that if you like Paul Thomas Anderson's previous work, this sits nicely with his with his catalogue. In terms of, it's a story of a study of obsession, which I think a lot of his films are, and it's rated fifteen. Uh, does have some soundtrack items though. Uh, I'm going to play a couple now. Um, first up, we've got Oscar Peterson with. My Foolish Heart. On DVD and Blu-ray right now, or from next Monday, Finding Your Feet, which uh, had pretty good reviews. You know, the poster kind of looks like the film that you think it might be, and maybe it is that film, but apparently it does what it does well. Um, The Shape of Water is released from next week. Looking forward to seeing that. Uh, That's the best best picture winner, best director for Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I, Tonya is released as well. Looking forward to watching that. And Nothing Like a Dame, which is a documentary all about theatrical dames, folks like Dame Judi Dench and um, Flamingos. I just remembered what they are. Yes, Flamingos. Uh, Dame Judi Dench and... Oh, now it's gone again. Oh, dear. My memory's really going this evening. Um, there are other dames in it. Uh, I think... Well, I'm going to have to look it up. I'm going to have to look it up. Anyway, the Good Robot and his podcast. It's because my because I'm not focusing on one thing. That's why it's all going out the window. Um, so we were on the last podcast. We said, uh, why don't we on the next podcast do a sort of uh, top ten of horror movies of the 20th century and discuss them and that kind of thing? I compiled a list. We had some input from people on Facebook, and that list grew and grew until it was over 30 long. And try as I might, I couldn't trim it down to 10. I couldn't even trim it down to 20. So what we, what we have decided, myself and Andy Balaam, <coughs> is to um, do a top 30. And that will be the basis of the next series or season of The Good Robot Andy's podcast. And each week we will discuss three films, uh, horror films of the 20th century, uh, with the top three each having a podcast of their own. So that will take us through the entirety of the next series or season of The Good Robot and His Podcast, which I'm very excited about. Um, so that's happening. But there is an existing, there is an existing podcast uh, of the previous series, and that is uh, we're talking all about the killing of a sacred deer in spoilery detail. Uh, and, of course, we also hatched the idea of... Uh, top 10 horror movies which is now top 30 um so thank you to people who um gave us uh, input on facebook that was uh, most excellent of you so it gave us some ideas uh, sorry if your film doesn't make the top 30 but um we might give it a a, a um you know an also ran mention um that's almost the show uh what am i looking forward to watching i would like to watch um the shape of water in the upcoming week 
if possible. Um, and I, Tonya, because they both look very good indeed. And that's it. Thank you very much for listening. It's time to hand over to Ian. Thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast from GFM 107.1. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Cockers underscore 97 and on my Facebook page, which is Andy's Movie Mashup.